Welcome to another episode of the Spiritually Persistent Entrepreneur with your host, Sharon Wilson, founder and chief inspiration officer of Coaching from Spirit Institute and master spiritual business mentor. The intention of this show is to provide transformational tips, tools, strategies, and resources that support and empower you to soar and shine in your business now. Enjoy. Well, welcome everyone. I'm so excited you're listening in and I'm so excited for our guest today. In her talk today, she's going to be sharing about how it's never too late. And this is for all of us after a certain age. And I love how uh, that kind of has become a real uh, buzz point. We'll talk to her about that more. Uh, but I just want to introduce you to our amazing guest today. She's a seasoned journalist, best-selling author, and certified mental strength trainer who helps women overcome their limiting beliefs around age so they can create the lives of their dreams in their 40s, 50s, and beyond. And I just think we have to say beyond. So I love that. As a European living in the USA, uh, she's reinvented herself multiple times in her life, especially in her 40s. She became a first-time mother, wrote her first best-selling book, and beautifully healed from breast cancer all past her 40th birthday. Very busy decade there. Uh, she just launched a YouTube channel dedicated to the topic, it's never too late. And I'm so grateful to have with us today, Bettina Gordon-Wayne. Bettina, thank you for being with us. Oh man, I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. I know I've got goosebumps just, just talking to you. I just know this is going to be so fantastic. And this is such a topic. So before we get into that, let, uh, you know, I always ask all of my podcast guests, since my podcast is called The Spiritually Persistent Entrepreneur. I got that as a divine download to call it that in, in 2019, in the fall of 2019. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned to you, it was kind of like, oh, that's a lot of words for that. Mm -hmm. And then 2020 happened. And now I say, oh, wow, boy, did my inner guidance, divine guidance really know what was going to happen to be able to set the stage for that. So what does being a spiritually persistent entrepreneur mean to you, um, I really reflected deeply on that question because I thought, man, this is so apropos in my life. And it gave me the opportunity to think back and connect a few dots. So Sharon, for me, I think as many of our listeners here too may have experienced when I was younger, like in my late teens and 20s, I had all these dreams of how my life is going to be. Mm. And I believe it's not just dreams, but really feelings. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if premonition is the right word. Sure. But yeah. I, I think all of us, we have some kind of, of vision that is drawing us towards a future that we can somehow sense. And back then I had some, my big dreams and then life happened. And mm -hmm. my spiritual dreams from back then they got away from me a bit, or mm -hmm. I should say a lot, you know, I had a beautiful life, but I also had a lot of challenges in my 20s and my 30s, and I left Europe, and I came to America and started anew, and somehow, even though I tried to go back to the streams that I had, something was always off, you know, I started mm -hmm. businesses, I had beautiful ideas, 
I really invested a lot of myself, my time, my energy, but somehow those projects back then did not come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, I dealt with things like doubts mm-hmm. that, hey, were my dreams from back then really a calling or was it just a pipe dream? Are they, because I hadn't achieved them at, you know, age X, Y, Z, does it mean they're never going to come true? Do my disappointments from the past, you know, when I really wanted to create something and then for whatever reason, it did not flourish the way that I was hoping for. Mm -hmm. Does that mean I'm not capable anymore Mm -hmm. of having those? Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was like I had in my 30s, really not the easiest time i was honestly self-medicating with you know too much to drink to just not feel that pain Mm -hmm. that was there i mean i i look back thinking oh my god and then i felt guilty because i wasted more time and more years and so Mm. on so it was a little convoluted the whole thing sure and then i turned 40 and somehow (laughs) i am um what I really call a late bloomer, I would say, even though I, <laughs> I felt very active and I did a lot of things in my 20s, but then my 30s were a big setback when then I did not meet my husband until I was in my late 30s. I think it was 36 when we met and 38 when we got married. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, like being married and having children was never on my to-do list. But then <laughs> I got married and I'm like, oh, wow, that's great, actually. I love being married. And, you know, we are still strongly together and married more than ever. And I love it. So I discovered things a little later on. And then he and I, we couldn't make up our minds if we want to have children. And then it took um, a lot of internal work for me to overcome the barriers I had towards motherhood. But lo and behold, anyway, so at age 43, we decide, okay, we would like to have a child. And for me, and this is important, I believe, um, and ties into, um, you know, the challenges that I, they were really significant. And this is a pivotal moment that I just wanted to spend a little bit on time um, of time on because it really, this is where the spiritual persistence came in. Oh, sure. Yes. Um, so I thought I had to overcome a lot of limiting beliefs that I had around motherhood and so on. And then I thought, okay, I'm ready for a child, which I believe is also was a spiritual calling. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, so because I, I come from a family, I'm third generation of women who have their children in the 40s. For mm. me, totally normal. I mean, right. like, hey, when else do you want to have kids? Uh-huh. You want to have children when you're mature, and but still so strong and capable, but you already had a life. So this is the perfect time to have a child. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, we had our, our son, Hunter, when I was 44. And I thought this is such beauty. It was so wonderful to have him. But having had a life before that I... That, that I've lived to the fullest, you know, all the parts of it, the good parts, the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, everything. And I was sitting on my couch with my newborn baby seven years ago by now. And I was uh, thinking, oh my God, this is so beautiful. Other women need to know how great it is to have a child later on. Mm. And uh, because I'm a trained journalist, you mentioned that at the beginning, 
the immediate thought was, oh, I want to write a book about this. Other women need to know how great it is to have a child later in life. And I reached over to my computer and I put in phrases like, um, I wanted to start my research right away and I put in pregnancy over 40, having children over 40. And then I made the major mistake that just about every woman who wants to have a child over the age of 35, when you are in that advanced maternal age bracket, does. So I asked Dr. Google for advice and I hit the return button <laughs> and I was stunned. Sharon, the amount of negativity, mm -hmm. the amount of negative headlines that are coming towards a woman who would like to have children but it's not in her 20s anymore and not in her early 30s anymore. It was astounding. And mm -hmm. this is the first time that I really realized how ageism mm. is real for us women. And depending on what you want to do, it starts really early. It mm -hmm. is intense. It is distilling fear of capability or of not being able to do certain things like having a baby after the age of 35, let alone after the age of 40. And I realized, my God, this narrative that's out there. Um, I mean, I knew that there are millions of women around the world who will make the best mothers any child could ever dream of. But they are made to feel less than fertile, less than capable, and less than, and that they're made to feel guilty and ashamed that they waited so long. And mm -hmm. not because there's something wrong with the bodies, because we have no idea. We don't know anything about, about them in general, but it's only because of their age, of the number in the driver's license. And this is a huge, that was a huge realization. And I, I swear to you, Sharon, I mean, I, I, had, I didn't intend to, this, to do this, but I, I felt it so strongly back then. I was sitting there with my child and I read all this negativity and I feel doubt and insecurity come over me. And I was already sitting there with my new It's yeah. <laughs> like, mean, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, what, what, what can even have a child? And then I look at him, oh yeah, he's here, you know, for a second there. And, and I, and there, there came the realization, I'm like, no, this cannot be that ageism is the only narrative for these women out there. I need to do something about it. And I literally, like metaphorically, I spoke to the baby and I said, Hunter, we need to do something about it. And this planted me, that decision to change the narrative that we have around later motherhood. I made this choice back then that put me firmly back on that spiritual path that I had lost or didn't see for so many years because I couldn't figure out what is it that I really want to speak about? What mm -hmm. is it that I am called to talk about? And all of a sudden I found it. Was that interesting because you couldn't have found it until you were later in life. Exactly. And right. So in it, absolutely. I can feel your passion mm -hmm. and I share your passion uh, because, you know, we just, as women, you know, we, we have to bring this to awareness and we have to start saying, no, this isn't okay. Yes. You know how this, uh, the ageism and, and, and really truly it, it does begin uh, for women 
and as you say, in the 30s, really, I mean, by 35, you know, you look at Hollywood, I always find it so interesting, how Hollywood, especially, but even in real life, it's fine for a man to be married to someone 10, 15, 20 years younger, I just read an article about um, Dick Van Dyke, okay, Uh, you know, the the actor Dick Van Dyke, Mm -hmm. I think he's 97 or 92 or something. His wife is 49. I mean, he's he's 92 or 97. Okay. I don't know. He looks great. Okay. For 92, 97. His wife is 49. Now people, oh well, he married an old, you know, an older woman. I mean, I mean, you know, that, but that is it's totally acceptable. There's never anything in that article about he's got such a younger wife. But if that was a woman with even 10 years difference. Oh my gosh, it's the whole thing. It's yes. the whole, I mean, think Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher and all of those people. I mean, it was always so like, oh, how does she do it? How does she keep this young man? And it's more than that. It's um, it's throughout all aspects of our life. So, and, and our work. And yes. so, right? And so yes. t- tell our listeners why it's so important that women stop buying into this myth of getting older that means we're less fertile, we're less valuable, we're less visible, right? Tell, yes, tell us more yes, about that. It, it really, we need to be aware, A, that this is happening. Yes, let's stick our heads happening. in the sand because I know there's a lot of, you know, men and women that say, oh, well, you know, that's really not happening. Oh, no, ageism and age discrimination, particularly mm-hmm. for women, is is rampant. You know, when I used to do career uh, um, career work with people, um, I would see men being discriminated around uh, 55 mm-hmm. in corporate America, mm-hmm. women after 35, mm-hmm. you know, and a woman in corporate America that's 50 years old, mm, very rare um, to, to experience it, um, certainly, you know, making, that's why women are really pushed to do all kinds of things to not look quote unquote, our age. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, tell us more about, um, examples of ageism that start at 35. Tell me, tell us more about that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Let me just first focus, please, what you touched on before. Why is it so important that we women say, hey, no more. Right. Mm -hmm. So A, it starts with the recognition that this is happening. Mm -hmm. Then my, when I said, I really want to change the narrative around later motherhood, what I did, I wrote a book. I interviewed Mm -hmm. dozens and dozens of women who all had the children naturally in the 40s. They were first time moms. And I put this book, it's called The Joy of Later Motherhood, mm-hmm. into, into this world. It was my, my, my first best-selling book that you mentioned at the beginning. And I um, also started to coach women that are old and they have to wish for a baby. And I coached them around the mindset. And this is when I really realized why it is so important that we do not buy into these myth that we have been told for generations any longer because it has a real effect on our physiology Mm -hmm. it has a real effect on our physical mental and emotional health Mm -hmm. that intense ageism that tells women you are losing your fertility rapidly after a certain age 
puts so much fear in us. It puts us into an almost constant uh, fight or flight response. This is when the body can't have, exactly when you're so stressed, there is no time for reproduction. The body's survival is here on the on 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 the line. There is no, you know, there's creating babies is a mere afterthought. This is not going to happen, and so I see the consequences um, in the coaching work that I've been doing for the last few years, and we see these consequences in different scenarios. You mentioned corporate America. Mm-hmm. Um, we we can see this like now i'm uh, i'm 50 mm-hmm. and you see around people starting to say oh at my age or now that i'm older i don't do this and that or you know there's the ailments that are starting to happen and i always wondered or not always but for the last few years i wondered what is it like is this really happening or is it almost a self-fulfilling prophecy because Mm. we've been indoctrined to think about age a certain way Mm -hmm. and that we are you know we're steering the boat in exactly that direction that we don't want to go yeah Mm -hmm. because we ourselves are not aware of much how how much we have bought into the world of ageism ourselves And there is really something that we all need to be aware of that yes, ageism happens to us on the outs from the outside. There's messaging that comes to us. There is no like the ageism, the that's the ism that's the one that's still accepted in our world today. Mm-hmm. Racism and other sisms, you know, we are seeing it and we say no, no more. But ageism is still that one where we all are called for now to stand up and say, hey, no more. But for in order to really do this, we ourselves need to be aware of what we are thinking about our age. Mm-hmm. Where are our own limitations? Because yes, we get all this, this uh, feedback from the outside, but true ageism, it's a little hard to hear, but it's true. True ageism is still an inside job. Mm-hmm. It is what we believe about our age, what we believe ourselves to be true around our age. So we need to be very mindful. And I always say, please sit down, be completely honest. You know, Mm -hmm. what does it mean to you that you are going to turn 40 soon Mm -hmm. or 50? or 60 or whatever 70 80 what does that really mean to you because we all we all this is just the way that we grew up this is the way we've been raised we all have a story that's attached to a number for some you know some women to say oh if i don't have my children by 30 i'm going to be an old mother mm-hmm. or if i don't do if i don't have a great career by the age of 35, if I haven't made, I don't know, whatever, if I haven't become part in the law firm, kind of think, think of anything else. Then it's, it's true. Not they're, they're, they're yes. right. It's we true. All, it it's like 35 is the, mm-hmm. is this for so many a mm-hmm. mindset 
35 is kind of like, well, after 35, you know, it's all downhill after exactly. 35. You know, exactly. my career is downhill, you know, mm-hmm. everything else. Oh, if I'm not married by the time I'm 35, oh, well, no, yep. no opportunity there. Yep. Yep. You know, yep, yep, you're, yep. Yep. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's, I think it's so important that you, that you acknowledge it because you're being a voice for all of us where, you know, I think a lot of women think, oh, you know, that's just me. Okay. You know, that's really not what, how it really is. That's just me. I'm just the one, you know, I'm not, you know, deserving enough or, you know, that's, that's me, but you know, you don't really have women. And I really appreciate you opening the dialogue about this. You don't really have women talking about this all that much, you know, really talking about the idea that this is an ism, just like all these other isms that there are movements around, but there, but this ism, there isn't much of a movement around till you really. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you yeah. know, the maverick. You're the movement maker. Thank here. you very much. I really like the maverick. Thank you. I take mm-hmm. that in with a full heart. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Now, now, let me ask you. So what... Um, what can women do? I mean, so, you know, what, what are your thoughts about, Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, first of all, let's acknowledge, you know, what is going on at an inner level. And also let's acknowledge how, I think we also buy into other people or women, you know, re, um, you know, to, uh, validating the ageism aspect, right. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you know, you're not getting any younger, you know, and then we just let that slide by, you know, instead of saying, and, you know, standing up and kind of, you know, standing for ourselves. But, you know, I, I really do think it's an ism that just is getting no uh, real movement until you really have, have, you know, burst into this. And, you know, you started it with the idea of having a baby, but then yes. that was just one aspect of the ageism, right? Was the fertility aspect. A- a- absolutely. That just opened my eyes to right. what is really going on here. Right. And what are the consequences of true ageism right. that we internalize? So I just wanted to, um, wrap the bow around what I said before mm-hmm. the true ageism is an inside job because ladies and gentlemen if you when, when you're listening now please just sit down for a moment with a piece of paper and a pen or put it in your computer however you do that um, and become aware about the stories you're telling yourself about the next big birthday or the next mm-hmm. 10 or 20 years Mm-hmm. Then notice, because we all do this, we all have a story attached to a number mm-hmm. that comes with an emotion. Please notice the emotion that you're feeling and getting old is usually not attached to the emotions that are coming up are usually not the ones of hope and inspiration and motivation. <laughs> right. They're usually more the ones, but this is also a learned trait. Mm-hmm. This is the thing. This is also learned. Um, but notice the emotions that are coming up. Are, are the emotions of like, oh, phew, ship has sailed. I'm not, my, my mm. dad bought, you know, I cannot mm-hmm. lose those 40 pounds anymore because the, now that I'm nearing 50, is not going to happen. And what does it feel like? What does it feel like the emotion? We all have the stories, then emotions attached to the number and then the consequence. And that is important. This is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Be very honest. What kind of consequence have you then also attached that may be conscious or more subconscious that you also attach to that number? Like, for example, with fertility, it would be it would mean my after 40, 
my body is going to shut down. It's not going to be fertile anymore. The, um, the emotion is often one of sadness. Or it doesn't matter, you're 35 or 40 and you think you cannot make partner anymore. Let's, let's, let's do that example. That, you know, the, the emotion that comes with one of disappointment, one of sadness, and the consequence, here's the thing. The consequence could be that you say, oh, it hasn't happened. I'm 40 now, it hasn't happened. It's not going to happen anymore, so I'm not going to try. Mm-hmm. We don't do, there's a usually very important also a consequence attached to that. So the number one that I really want every one of, of us listeners here uh, to participate is just sit down and talk to yourself and be really honest without judgment. It does not matter what comes up, but just think about what kind of story, emotion and consequences you attach to a certain number. Then realize, please, these stories, they don't come from you. My stories, they didn't come from me. Mm-hmm. They come from how the way we grew up mm-hmm. they come from how we have seen people be when we were younger mm-hmm. these are all learned stories and they are enforced in comedy you said that before you know uh, i sometimes uh i i really like the show grace frankie and grace grace and frankie. oh i love that show exactly yeah. i love it too and uh there is one um scene where frankie goes into a pharmacy and she wants to buy whatever she wants to buy i forgot what she wants to buy and she's at the pharmacy and to play on that prejudice that the older women get the less visible we are the less noticed we are and she's at the pharmacy and she you know she's asking people for help and nobody sees her and she's like what what am i chopped liver you know (laughs) the way the way she shows up but i was thinking about when i saw that i was like Okay, what comes first? Is it really true that we are less visible? Or is this something that we grow up believing and then we find ourselves as a drugstore and somebody who is too busy to notice us, then it becomes a a comedy. But what's first? Is it really true or is it then our perception of the world around us? Because we are now thinking, okay, this is what's happening after the age 50. After the age of 55, we become less visible. Are we then looking for the confirmation that this is really true? Like what comes first? Mm-hmm. And actually, it doesn't really matter what comes first. But the, uh, what really matters is that we say, hey, no more. I am not sorting for the things that could confirm a bias that doesn't help me anymore. I'm not looking for that. I do the other way. It is, in my, in my opinion, a real choice that we have to make to say, I am completely changing the way I look at my age and I look at aging completely different, like the maverick that you, that, that you mentioned before. You, we all need to be a bit rebellious here and say, no, I am doing me my way and not anybody else's way. I believe that a woman who is getting older brings so much more to the table. I really believe that women 40, 50 and beyond, in especially the time that we are living now, our wisdom, our life experience, our business experience, our way that we still grew up, it is so incredibly important 
that it is on us. Like I want to motivate so many women to step out into the power and become more of who they are instead of less visible, mm -hmm. less loud, less, mm -hmm. less, 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 less. And I'm saying, no, it should be exactly the other way around. Like if we want to, if we women want to be revered for who we are, so if we want to be revered of for who we are and what we bring to the table, we need to claim it. You know, one thing that I, I was wondering if you heard about, I don't know if you heard this big, um, all this kerfuffle about. Um, all this what? I don't know the word. You know, this. Uh, this. <laughs> I just made that word up. You know, this. this it big sounds like me. I make words hoopla, up. Hoopla, hoopla. You know, this big deal. But um, uh, President Biden's wife, Jill Biden, you know, who's a very attractive woman. You know, I think she's in her 60s or so. Um, but she had some um, tights on, you know, that were patterned tights. They were black patterned tights. And, you know, sort of like everyone erupted over, did she have fishnet stockings on? I mean, they were literally pat black pattern tights with a beautiful dress. Yes. Right. And, you know, she's not acting her age. And, uh, uh, you know, and then, um, you know, I, I just thought it's so interesting that, you know, that the, and, you know, she's uh, very fit. She's very stylish. You know, she you know, she's very accomplished as a person, you know, and what's the focus? The focus is about her black tights. Yes. You know, and so when we see things like that, where that is the big, there's a big explosion of commentary about her tights mm -hmm. and is it appropriate and she needs to act her age yeah. and you know, put her I, in her place for right. heaven's sake yes. i mean my goodness put her in her place come on let's cut it down a little bit for my god the uh the chops she has to wear tights like this it's yes ridiculous. you know ridiculous. and and so i i wondered if you would have a if, first off you heard about it but it was um if you have a comment about that and then also, what is your motto? Plan for fifty, live for five. But I just—it was—it was something I was—I was, I was uh, reading yesterday, and I just thought it was this big, you know, oh, the the comments about these tights and how she's wearing, oh, and their fishnet stockings, and you know what I'm talking about—the pattern, like black tights. They might have, you know, roses on them, or they might have stars, or whatever. They're you know, essentially, you know, hose that mm -hmm. that are black that have pattern to them. And I thought, who would care if she even was wearing fishnet stockings? Why is that even an issue at all? It, it is in my, uh, I mean, so A, I did not hear about the hooper double or whatever you call it. It is, I did not hear about it, but when you spoke, my you can first, You can my, go to Dr. Google and, and read <laughs> yeah, about that. Okay. Uh, but my <laughs> first inclination was that Jill Biden is a powerful woman. Mm -hmm. And she's a powerful woman of a of a certain age. Mm -hmm. I would think that, you know, she claims who she is and owns who she is and does not apologize who she is. And that is a role model we have we don't have so often in our society. So it is still um like if we would all 
or at least most of us women, you know, say, hey, I am age whatever, XYZ, and I own it. And I wear what I want. I speak up when I want. I do what I want. If we would have more role models and we're changing it right now, then the criticism would listen. The, you take the wind out of the sails of the people. I mean, she's criticized also because of her husband, you know. Mm-hmm. But women, we are not, like, we are the ones who have the ability. And in my, in my humble opinion, also, the, if you can, then change the narrative. Mm-hmm. Start with yourself. Be the, the, the Jill Biden, the Michelle Obama the whoever want you 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 emulate whoever speaks to you to change the narrative around that once and for all because this is just silliness but this is like yeah that that or even um michelle obama when she was criticized for not wearing sleeves for her you know for her her official picture and you know she's very um you know fit and, I want to have or her up. You know, amazing <laughs> arms that we can all model, but she's very fit. And I mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, but she didn't have, you know, sleeves on. Oh, she we saw her arms, you know. Yeah. And um, but what I what I really find interesting is that it, it speaks more to me about trying to put a powerful woman in their place. You know, because because those mm-hmm. those are powerful women, and whenever you see it, what is the thing that happens? There's going to be some criticism about their appearance or about how they're dressed. You know, the, the those kind of superficial things, because it's like there is a um, there is a, a sense of being threatened by a powerful by a powerful woman, and that's part of what. I feel we need to change the narrative and we need to really call that narrative out when it is instead of participating in it, right? Yes, yes. I think you 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 just nailed it by saying instead of participating in it. Mm-hmm. So I would also suggest to not even read any comments and spend any kind of energy on thinking about the comments or what's happening mm-hmm. here, but much more focus us on what is it that we want to do? What yes. is it that we brought here to do? Absolutely. What is our spiritual um, pull? What is mm-hmm. it that we, how we can change things? Mm-hmm. And I believe it's like, I am very, very, um, I'm relatively sensitive. Mm-hmm. So I react to news. I react to comments. I have to literally stop reading them because I also notice this is a waste of my time. This mm-hmm. is a waste of my energy and it's a waste of my gifts. Right. So when we see something like that, as you're saying, we can focus in on, well, that, how do we want to experience it? What is the kind of world we want to have? So that can be a catalyst, you know, rather than join in on any of this, um, you know, but you can still, you know, experience it. And then you can uh, picture uh, and, and for yourself as well, you know, stepping into more of your sense of purpose and letting go any of the lower level energies about that. Because the only way this is going to change is for women to step into their power, for women to create a new narrative, for women to not accept these limiting beliefs from our, you know, growing up or even those around us is, but to come at it 
it seems to me, in a place of grace and elegance rather than pushing against. Is that is that what you're saying? That is how I feel. Mm-hmm. There are um, activists, there, there are people, they are thriving in, in with that dialogue and they mm-hmm. are thriving in that kind of mm-hmm. energy. And no, no, really, I am not. Mm-hmm. I, I get sucked into this and I feel weakened and I feel there like, you no, thank you very much. So that's so a for good me, point. Yeah, mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. me, this is like not the right thing to do. I am not the screamer. I have no, I don't want to argue with anybody because I, this is for me a waste of time. Okay. What I, what I want to do, like, I so believe like women, we are magnificent Mm -hmm. and we are the ones who to call us magnificent. If we wait for other people to do that, we're going to be waiting, you know, until we are in our grave. No, we, we claim who we are. We do it and then let the chips fall where, where they may, or whatever the expression is. Yeah, then let just the chips fall. Like, we need to concentrate on who we are. What mm-hmm. is it that we can do? What, how can we serve, help, be, show up, change the, the narrative, change the view? Mm-hmm. it's it's on us and i would like for me i try not to get sucked into any of the silliness of her mm-hmm. you know what what whatever it is because it takes too much energy from me and yes. i need my energy to create yeah, i just absolutely. you know this youtube channel that is called it's never too late it's all about that mm-hmm. like i do the interviews with the women who completely changed their lives around in the 40s and 50s and that's for example as a side note is my free gift to our readers today it's like six mm-hmm. women that I picked who changed the, the professionally to change the lives around who after divorce and whatever you know they focused on themselves and are beautiful examples mm-hmm. of of uh, of women in their most of them are in the 50s now um and there are so many beautiful examples in this of women in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, and beyond. Mm-hmm. And these are the women that I want to celebrate. These are the role models that mm-hmm. I want to bring into the forefront of all our thinking more and more. And what's possible, like, for example, I am right now, after the pandemic coming out of it, I want to be really focused on my body and, and building my best mm-hmm. body now because mm-hmm. I know what I do today will show up in 10, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. What I do today, how I treat my body, how much I love my body, how healthy I am, determines what kind of kick a 70-year-old I'm going to be. Absolutely. Well, I could talk to you all day and we'll have to have you back on, Bettina. And I <laughs> yes, love please. I love your perspective because I want people to really understand how to better manage when they see things, you know, and, and, and they see that ageism, you know, how they can really turn that around and activate something else for themselves and really, you know, create this dialogue. So why don't you tell us, you were mentioning about your free gift and if you can share how people can get that and what that's about. And this will also be on the episode page as well and in our directory. Yes, thank you. So the free gift is um, a pick six of the interviews that I did in the past six women that changed their lives around in the 40s and 50s and there is a link it said you also find it at bettina gordon forward slash reinvent or reinvention Reinvention. thank you and a reinvention uh bettina is b is a boy e t t i n a 
last name Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N, Bettina Gordon forward slash reinvention. And then I also would love it, you know, look, we are changing the narratives by also finding each other. Mm -hmm. By, you know, if that speaks to you, please, I have this brand new YouTube channel that's called It's Never Too Late with Bettina Gordon Wayne. You find me on, on YouTube and thank you, Sharon. I think you also put a link in the description mm -hmm. below. Absolutely. Please join the community. This is a conversation that the mm -hmm. more of us, we, we come together. This is a conversation for all of us. And I'm, like on Instagram and such, where I'm also, I see that there are conversations happening. There is, I think, momentum building up. I mean, right now we are still at the forefront. So the more we come together, the more I know also what my audience wants. Like what kind of videos do you want? More about health, more about personal growth. What is it that you want? I can bring it to you. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Well, we will definitely have you back. I'm so excited and grateful for you being here. And is there anything you want to say in closing to our folks? I just think that life is extraordinary, even or especially maybe mm -hmm. after the year that we had, yes. and I really, really feel this in my heart, this is the spiritual place again. Like I am shining now because I found that path that I hadn't seen for some time and mm. I love it and I want really to encourage you I don't care how old you are if there is something inside you still that this is a dream that you had maybe not just for five minutes but for five decades or however long then this is for you please mm. do not give up on, on, on your dream. We are not doing regrets any longer. We speak life into our dreams as often as we can, daily as we can. And if this is still in you, it is for you. Whatever it is, if it's a family, if it's a book, if it's a career. By the way, Sharon, I mean, you usually know that, but the, um, the biggest uh, or the most people that start uh, with startups uh, are people over 55. Mm -hmm. so there is there is there are things going on so if it's still inside you it is meant for you you are a capable of having it and now maybe even more so than ever i could not speak the way i speak today 20 years ago i didn't i couldn't this is completely authentic now now this is really me mm -hmm. and i want to wish this for everybody here if if you dream it, it is it is there for you. Go for it, please. Mm, that is so beautiful. You're such a beautiful soul. We so appreciate you. And thank you so much for being here. And again, like I said, we'll have you back on. This is a conversation that needs to continue. Yes. And thank you for really being the midwife of this. Oh, movie. thank you. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Uh, I always say I'm a midwife of uh, coaching from spirit. So you're yeah. definitely a midwife of this birthing of this experience. And May so, I please be the maverick midwife? You can absolutely <laughs> be a maverick midwife. That's the best kind of midwife to be, is maverick. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, let's all stay a little bit rebellious. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. So thank thanks, you. everybody, for being here. And we see you living lives of love and joy and peace, health and prosperity always in all ways and we'll see you back here next time everybody you hate selling yet love to be of service in my free masterclass you will discover three soulful secrets to client conversations that feel joyful easy and fun using these secrets one of my clients made eight thousand dollars in one week 
and another client made $100,000 in less than six months. Register now at www.coachingfromspirit.com masterclass.